Hello and welcome you are listening to National Public Radio's Planet Money. Hi, that's right. This is Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum. That was Shivani Dagra introducing the show. She was my translator on my recent trip to India. You can hear somewhere in her voice, I think, the legacy, a little bit of British colonialism in her very precise British accent. I could kind of hear it. And I'm Caitlin Kenny. And today on the podcast, we're going to tackle another thing the British left behind in India, a love of paperwork. First, though, we have our Planet Money indicator with our own Jacob Goldstein. Hey, Jacob, what have you got? Kaylin, uh, today's indicator is $2.1 billion. That's how much profit Ford said it made in the first quarter of this year. It's uh, the latest sign that the U.S. automakers seem to be doing okay. Chrysler recently said it made an operating profit in the first quarter of this year. And there was this press release a few days ago with, with the Treasury saying that GM had paid back somewhere around $7 billion that it owed the U.S. Treasury. So I actually have the press release here. It says, uh, the headline is, GM repays Treasury loan in full five years ahead of maturity date. They're very proud of that. And then there's this little teeny line at the bottom here. It says, after this repayment, the remaining Treasury stake in GM consists of $2.1 billion in preferred stock and 60.8% of the common equity. I feel like there's a page missing from that press release. Yeah, right. So this this press release, it sort of, you know, trumpets this $7 billion repayment. But the truth is that, that U.S. taxpayers actually put somewhere around $50 billion into GM. So, so this repayment is, relatively speaking, small potatoes. Most of that money that we sunk into GM is now in the form of stock. And really, we, we the taxpayers, won't get our money out of GM unless... The company goes public again and gets like really huge, like uh, like its market cap would have to be bigger than than it ever was, according to one estimate that I saw. All right, thank you, Jacob, for checking on that. Glad to do it, David. I got to run back to the blog cave now. There are these Goldman hearings in the Senate today, and I don't want to miss anything big. All right, before you go though, could you um could you just initial here to indicate that we did the indicator? Uh, uh, uh right, all right, yeah. okay, great. I got to go. Thanks. Can you can you just initial there? There. Uh, okay. Uh huh. Sign there. I, I gotta go. I gotta go. Just okay. Here. I'm gonna sign here. I gotta go. Okay. Thanks, right. guys. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, David, what's up with all those signatures and uh, those initials? Well, that's one of the things I brought back for you from India. Ooh. Yeah. So this is one of the things you notice traveling to India is that there's a lot of writing things down. People seem very fond of writing things down. When you check into a hotel, there's this big ledger that you know the person at the desk opens up and they write down in very neat handwriting your passport number, your phone number, the phone number of your friend in town. It takes forever. <laughs> and when you go to an internet cafe, they want you to write down your passport number and your address. At an internet address. cafe? Yeah. And when you go to an actual cafe, the, the waiters in the, this one place I went to had something I hadn't seen in ages actual carbon paper. We were all paying separately and it required like a separate handwritten receipt and there was carbon in between the sheets. And you worked as a waitress, right? Yeah. Did you ever use carbon paper? Well, no. We have these great computer systems, but there was actually a time when our credit card machines would crash and we'd have to take everyone's credit card and manually run it through this machine on the carbon paper and it would take forever. Right. And it's inefficient. And India, India is one of the fastest growing economies in the world. It's been growing for decades. And how did it grow? Well, recently, 
it's been helping other countries get rid of their paperwork, basically, right? India is synonymous with back office IT. You know, it's got programmers, call centers, electronic billing. Yeah, but know. David, I've seen your photos and there's oxen walking around in the street along with the cars and a lot of people who live there don't have electricity. They'll be computerized. Maybe you should just give them some time. I know. I mean, I, I feel that way too, right? But I'm telling you, there is something amazing and special about Indian paperwork. And everybody in India has a story. Here's one from... Uh, this guy I met, who's actually quite well known in India. You know, this is not an interview where I want to interrupt you. This is an interview where I want to share a perception with you. No, but I promise you, I'll refer. <laughs> no. His name I is Karan Thapar, and he is many things: a newspaper columnist, a TV interviewer. That's actually him on the phone, trying to twist the arm of India's Minister of Information to get the person to consent to an interview. And he's famous for grilling politicians. There's actually a photo on his wall this moment where he made a big, strong cricket player break down and cry. So anyway, I was talking to him about about other stuff, about the Indian economy, but I mentioned the paperwork thing, and he he just jumps in. He says, I know, I know. You go to government buildings, and you just find stacks of paper crawling up the walls. I remember going to the old income tax office way back in 76 when my father died. I was all of about 19. And I felt I ought to help out a little bit in sorting out some of Daddy's papers. And so I walked into this room and I was mesmerized because there, sitting in this dank, dingy, dark room, was this wee little mole of a creature buried in files, right? And then there were these stacks that went up all the way to the roof with mildewed brown files, decaying with age, brown with dust. And he said to me, I want to have to find your father's file. Come back tomorrow and I'll have got it. So Caitlin Kern goes home thinking, no way, no way is this guy going to find that file. But then he comes back the next day, and everything's fine. And there it was. The file was there. He dusted it. He blew dust off it. He found whatever he wanted. But yes, we are a, what I call babu culture. We're obsessed with notes. What was the word? Babu culture. It's a sort of pejorative Hindi word for small-time clerk. Small-time clerk? Yeah. They were the sort of petty officials who kept the British Raj ticking along. Um, and you'd have an army of them sitting outside the offices of the British collector or the British viceroy, right, furiously taking notes, devising petitions in pompous sort of officialies to be delivered by the little Indian to the big white Raja who was ruling us as our viceroy. But, I mean, our culture is obsessed with writing on files, sending papers, making notes, petitioning people. We insist upon responses back. And then, of course, every file has to be signed upon on the left-hand side by everyone who's read it, and they all write their comments. And so you have two parallel files within each file, the file that contains the actual documents and then the side issue where people are signing to say they've read it and what they've read and what it amounts to. It's a nightmare, a complete nightmare. I mean, the great dream of a paperless office doesn't exist in India. It's only talked about. So there you go, David. It's not the people who live in India now who are responsible for all this paperwork. We should blame the Brits. It's their fault. That's actually not a bad explanation. And it's kind of the story you hear a lot about how the Brits ran their colonies, that they came in, they trained a generation of elite bureaucrats to run things, uh, tried to employ a bunch of people, sometimes gave them you know meaningless jobs just to give them jobs. And then, you know, th- this this version of the story goes that the Brits left, the paperwork stayed behind, and it took on a life of its own. Kern says there's this feeling in India that if you can make a stack of paper high enough, it actually proves something. And I say, come on, the story you told me is from the 1970s. Hasn't it changed a bit? You know, I haven't been to a tax office for a very long time, but I believe if you go to Delhi Development Authority offices, they're almost identical. So, Caitlin, I went inside a city government building in Delhi, and here I'll just I'll just show you the photo here. Three photos, actually. Oh, my gosh. 
I'm looking at these pictures, and there's just, like, stacks and stacks of paper. Literally, the paper's so old, it still has those funny printer holes punched into the side of it, and everything's sort of, like, crumpled up and leaning on each other. How do you even walk around an office with this much paperwork? I don't know. You know, I feel like in our stories we often say, and there are mountains of paperwork. It's not like this. It's like it is actually like mildewed. It is just like one the stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of books, and it doesn't look orderly at all, right? Yeah. So it, it's still that way. And um, when I left the building, I was walking around the street, and I talked to Prakash Chanasharma. He was a student who'd just come out of the building, and he said, "Oh yeah, you should go to the courthouses. You should see the paper there. There are some drawers or something. There are so much papers. So you can say in India." They use a lot of paperwork for that, especially in the government fields. Paper, paper, paper. How, how, how do you think they find anything? How do they find it? How do they find anything that's in those files? They know, sir. <laughs> that's, they are magical people. <laughs> they're magical people? They are magical. Yeah, but even if they're magical people, I mean, that can't <laughs> be very efficient. You still have to take the time to look for the file. And if you're in an office that looks anything like those pictures you just showed me, that could take forever. Yeah, so I spent a while just recreationally kind of asking people why they think there is so much paperwork. And one answer I got a lot is just that, hey, democracy is slow. You know, the economy, sure, the economy is growing really fast, but that's like private sector growth. Like government always lags behind and India's democratic government has a reputation for being particularly paralyzed by debate. But there's, there's this other theory I like, which says that paperwork exists for the very reason of slowing things down, because there is someone or people in the system who actually want to slow things down. Why would they want to slow things down? That makes no sense. Yeah. Well, someone would want to slow things down if they want maybe a bribe. Aha. Uh-huh. So here's Rima Hanna, who you heard on the last podcast we did. She does work in India, and she's an economist at Harvard. I mean, that's one of the one of the the main theories people have about why there is so much red tape in India. that it's just introduced uh, in effect so that um, bureaucrats can actually get a bribe. I've even experienced this myself in terms of getting data. <laughs> There's a simple process. So, for example, a couple of years ago, um, some colleagues of mine and I were trying to get housing data. And we had exactly the same issue. There was a simple process to follow in order to get the data. And then um, the bureaucrats at the office um, kept um, adding more and more uh, stuff for us to do, more people for us to go to, more people for us to petition, harassing the staff a bit because they basically wanted a bribe. And so they were introducing barriers to getting a public service because they they want a bribe. Oh, I see. So basically, you'd think that you'd want to reduce the paperwork, get things done more efficiently. But if you're someone who controls the paperwork, you actually want there to be more of it so that you can convince people, hey, if you give me a little extra money, then I'll cut down the number of things you have to do. So they actually benefit from increased paperwork. Right. And also, obviously, the people who sell the paperwork, who sell the paper, uh, they benefit. And at some point, I had this idea, I'm going to go to the source. I'm going to find the red tape factory. Yeah, when you show me those pictures and talking about it, I just picture in my head this huge, like, room, and there's a guy in front, and he's like, do you want government book G57 or G58? And do you want the one that contains clause FB for workers of Section 18? And I just imagine <laughs> it would be so hard to actually find what you needed. I'm sh- In my head, that place exists somewhere. I did not find it, but I got close. So Shivani, my translator, and I ventured into the very, very old part of Delhi. And I mean old. The streets are so narrow. 
like you take a cab to the outside, but then you have to get on a little little guy in a bicycle rickshaw that takes you around. There's this web of like power lines overhead. It's a total and complete maze. You keep having to ask for directions. You don't know if you're ever going to find your way out. And eventually we did find the section where it's all paper supply wholesalers. And somewhere in there, we found this one guy who had a store that was selling those big, big ledgers, those huge books I'd seen in the government offices. How, how long has your store been around? Our store is since 1922. 1922, right here? Yeah, right here, right this place. This building is about uh, 300 years old. 300 years old, this building. And how long have you been making these for the government? About uh, since uh, 60 years. 60 years. Uh, He took out the hugest ledger I've ever seen in my life. For government servants to use. And what do you do in this? So this is a ledger uh, that's called, that says PBR in big letters across the front. stands for Pay Bill Register. This is where you write down or you list all your expenses for the month if you were a government employee or for, for government employees. And so you have columns in, <coughs> in the ledger that say license fee, your uh, motor convey, uh, conveyance advance, your other cycle conveyance advance, your festival advance, your computer advance, other advances, your life insurance. So this is just a salary sort of sheet for a government employee. So we, Marked the, 17 and 18. So the class, class of employees marked 17 and 18 are listed here. David, I love the fact that you have to go out and buy a big book to write down your computer expenses. I mean, that seems so backwards when you think about it. I know. There's this column that says computer deductions. So so I, I bought the book, but I didn't feel quite complete because, you know, I thought I might need to make some copies. So we went looking for a place that sells carbon paper. And everyone says, you need to go to Bajaj Stationery, Bajaj Stationery. And finally, we found it. And the owner of the store is Kumaljit Singh Bajaj. And he asks me, why do you need it? And I thought, uh-oh, am I in trouble? Maybe this is like special carbon paper he's only allowed to sell to the government. But that's not why he was asking. What for do you need it, please? What do I need it for? Ah, well, I'm a journalist, and I'm, interest- I'm, I'm interested in all the... Uh, everything's still done on paper here. I just wanted to buy some to take home. So I bought a big government ledger, and I need carbon paper to go with it. So I'm still going to start my own government. <laughs> but uh, uh, is it okay? This, this is not very good quality. These are better. Premier carbon paper is not the fanciest? It says it's premier, though. It's not the fanciest. <laughs> there are other brands which are better. So where is, where is all the carbon paper made in this country? Uh, see, there are about four or five industrial hubs in and around Delhi. Uh, Okhla is one, Noida is one, Gurgaon, Manesar, then Kundli, Sonipat, and uh, Wazirpur industrial area. Uh, there, there are about six, seven places where, uh, you know, uh, factory, factories are located. Is there a big market for it? A uh, big market for what? Carbon or what? Carbon paper, yeah. Carbon, actually, it's a dying industry, as you know. You know, people are going for computer and computerized billing. So, over the last 30 years, I've seen a downfall by more than uh, 75%. Really? There was a time when carbon was such a hot-selling item. Uh, but now, you see, uh, not so much. What's happened with the government? So, how much did you used to sell to government and how much now? What's happened over 30 years? Uh, government uh, still accounts, I think, about... Uh, 25-30% of the consumption. The rest is private sector. And, and has the amount the government has bought gone down? Yes. Definitely. 
So, David, things are getting better. The government's buying less carbon paper. Maybe they're cutting down on paperwork? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they have it. A bit of good news. Uh, in case paperwork does go away, I brought us home these mementos. Here's the carbon paper. Yes. You can have a sheet. And this. <laughs> oh, thanks for sharing. And this is the huge government uh, ledger book here. Oh, my God. This thing is ginormous. It's like two feet long. Wow. It's huge. Oh, my God. And it has so many columns inside, remarks, total deductions, checkers, initials. So I brought that into the office, and Brian here looked at that, and he said, I have two words, spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically a spreadsheet in a book form, yeah. Wow, it really is. You'd have to be pretty good at math, too, to keep up a book like this, I would think. You know what amazes me about it? It's like at one level, it's this incredibly sophisticated accounting, right? You know, all these it's very elaborate ideas about Yeah, they're like, keeping what you track keep of all track the of. details and And yet it's still all on paper. <laughs> all right. There you go. All right. I think that does it for us today. You can always mail us your comments, Planet Money. You can send them care of NPR to eleven West forty second street, the nineteenth floor, New York, New York, one zero zero three six, or fax us at two one two eight eight zero three four two nine. And make sure to save a copy for your records. We're going to post photos of Indian paperwork on the blog, npr.org slash money. And Jacob's also going to be blogging about the Goldman hearings in the Senate. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Caitlin Kenny. Thanks for listening. Ay, na khatka lage, ay, bina shor pat.